a little bit. <clears throat> I was going to preach two or three different things. Not, no, I'm not going to, though. <clears throat> but, I mean, I was trying to choose and choose and choose. And... So <clears throat> my husband, who really never gives me any direction on sermons, came along and he said, I mean, I already had this one sermon written. I already said, this is what I'm going to preach on. Okay, He said, well, why don't you preach on angels? I said, hmm. Well, maybe on a Wednesday night, you know, with a regular crowd. <clears throat> so I began to think about it and um, um, to seek the Lord about it. And um, I thought, well, I'll just write it out. I'll just begin to pursue scriptures on angels and whatever. So I did, and guess what? We're going to have a sermon on angels today. So I, I want you to just be open for whatever to happen because angels are in the supernatural realm, the invisible realm that we can't see, but they're there anyway. So, God, I just ask you for an anointing to teach this for a supernatural realms of heaven anointing. And I pray that anointing would rest on the ears of those that are here. In Jesus' name. So the word angel comes from the Greek word angelos and the Hebrew word melak, and they simply mean messenger. Is that what you think of when an angel comes? He comes for a reason, right? He comes to deliver something. And whether it's a message with words or whether it's something that he brings personally, it's still a message. <clears throat> Now, I don't want, to, want you to sit there and collect a bunch of information this morning. Although I do want you to get this information. But I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of your heart today. So that you can feel the presence. And I believe that some of you will see the angels. Kelly has already seen them. Probably Paula has. They, they just see angels all the time. How many of you see angels? Okay. <clears throat> How many of you feel angels? Uh-huh. Yeah, there's more. You know, so many times I know there's an angel that sits right behind Marvin over here. And it's so big, his head isn't even visible because it goes up into the ceiling. And he's always there. I don't know where Marvin is, but... So, um... I'm going to start out with some examples of the Old and New Testament so you don't think I'm just <clears throat> making some of this up. <clears throat> Jacob saw angels ascending and descending in a ladder, a stairway that went up to heaven. You notice it didn't say descending and ascending. It's ascending and descending. Those angels were already here on the earth. Very, very much assigned to the earth. And he watched them go up and come down. That's Genesis 28. I, I've got tons of scriptures, and I'm not going to about try to put them all up there. Um, at the end of this teaching, I have a, a handout for you, um, which has 20 things that are the functions of angels and five things that's going to tell you how to activate the angels in your life. So <clears throat> I'll just mention these scriptures, but I can't possibly 
take time to put them all up, or we'd be here till 3 o'clock or so. You don't want to do that, okay? So also God sent an angel to shut the mouth of the lion when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. The angel Gabriel, you know, angel Gabriel was an angel. He came to Mary to tell her that she would bring forth Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. The angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for she has, uh, for what she carries in her womb was conceived by the Holy Spirit. That's Matthew 1. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream again and told him to flee to Egypt and take Mary and Joseph to be safe for a time. And an angel came to Elijah under the broom tree. You remember when Elijah ran away? Scared of Jezebel. Scared of Jezebel. And he, you know, he, ran, he outran the chariots and he got under the broom tree. And it was like, you know, oh me, oh my. I'm the only one left and I'm going to die. But angels came and ministered strength to him. That's 1 Kings 19.5. An angel of God came to Paul when he was on the ship, and, and the ship starts falling apart. And the angel came. You know, we know these things happen. We don't usually give credit to an angel. We say, oh, well, you know, God told them. Well, many times God told them through an angel, and, and we haven't even read the Scriptures close enough to see that. So God sent an angel to Paul who stood by him and said, not one person will lose their life on this ship. Acts 27. And God sent an angel to John when he was on the Isle of Patmos and he was getting all of these visions of revelation. And he sent an angel to confirm the visions because, you know, John don't really know what's going on. He's seeing all these things and it's way beyond his wildest thoughts. And so God sends an angel to confirm that, that God is actually sending this stuff to him. Revelation 1. And angels announced in the heavenlies the birth of Jesus. You know, every time we have Christmas, we remember the heavenly host announcing that a Savior is born. And uh, after Jesus had spent 40 days in the wilderness, and he had been tempted by the devil strongly, angels came to him and ministered to him. And in the garden, that's Matthew 4. In the garden of Gethsemane, angels came to strengthen Jesus as he prayed. And there were two angels found sitting in the tomb in the place where Jesus had been laid when he was taken from the cross. Of course, he wasn't there, John 20. And after being on earth for 40 days, Jesus is ascending into heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father. There's 500 people there. And he begins to lift off of the earth. He just, you know, he just begins to go. And God sent an angel to the disciples to say that Jesus Christ will come again in the same manner as you see him leaving. In the second coming, Jesus will descend with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God, 1 Thessalonians 4. Now, that's just a smithering. Is there such a word as that? Just a hodgepodge of scriptures that, that I just gave you. 
I just want you to know that angels have always been very active with God. They haven't always been very active with us, and I have some ideas why. According to Scripture, angels fly, sit, walk, and stand. The Bible talks about the seraphim and the cherubim, thrones, dominions, powers, principalities, archangels, rulers of darkness, wicked spirits in high places. Actually, in Scripture, many times angels are called the sons of God. And they're also called the morning stars and the host of heaven. Colossians 1.16 For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Okay? But then in Ephesians six twelve we read that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We have both God's angels and Satan's angels. They are spirit beings. They live in the heavens. In case you don't know it, the heavens are full of both of these. God's angels make their home in the third heaven with God. You do know there's a third heaven because Paul said in his, I believe it was Paul, was was taken up into the third heaven. Whether he was in the body or out of the body, he didn't know, but he was in the third heaven. If there's a third heaven, there's a second heaven. If there's a second heaven, there's a first heaven. Okay, so and that's the only, only numbers of heavens that we know in the Bible. Um, in the second heaven, we have Satan and his entourage. And I'm not going to preach about that. <clears throat> but temporarily, they occupy the second heaven. They will not always occupy the second heaven because it's God's. He made it. Right now, Satan has set up um, his home in the second heaven. And the principalities and powers of the of darkness, wicked spirits in high places, um, occupy that too. So when we pray, you know, last time I was here, I talked about praying. The angels of God in the third heaven, they're released by God, have to go through that second heaven. That's why you pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray because the more you pray, the more power the angels have and the quicker they defeat those that would keep them from coming through. Okay. Y'all are so quiet. I don't know if you're getting this or whether you're just like, what is this stuff? Principalities, these are Satan's, rule over nations. They are geographical and they're the biggest demons. Powers rule over states, cities, and regions. There are um, eight, eight principalities and powers. Four principalities, eight powers makes number 12. And I'm not going to tell you about those because we have a teaching on that if you want to know about them. <clears throat> These powers are under the direct command of principalities. Then we have 
rulers of darkness, which are like army generals, and they are commanders over the troops for special ops. And then we have spiritual hosts of wickedness, and these are demons that we deal with all the time. These are demons that come to earth. These are demons that get the final assignment, go down there and do this to Kelly. Go down and do this to Winona, whatever. They're demons of, like, fear and torment and lies and, and um, um, bondage and death. And, I mean, the list is on and on. And if you haven't experienced any of that, well, you must live in another room. <coughs> um, you know, Satan's a copycat. He copies what God does. He can't copy the blood. That's one thing he hasn't been able to copy. The blood is untainted, perfect, and it, as we sang today, the blood saves and heals us. It delivers us. It causes us to be saved. Um, I lost my thought. Oh, it's a copycat. So I believe that Satan has set up his hierarchy in the second heaven like God's. I mean, after all, you've got to know that Lucifer was Satan to begin with, created good. God doesn't create anything bad. Lucifer was created good. He chose to be bad. But he spent eons with God as, as the highest um, cherub is what they say. And... I don't want to get off on the devil's kingdom here because I'm going to talk about God's. But anyway, God has established a hierarchy of angelic beings. God has angels over nations. He has angels over cities. He has angels that are commanders over the troops. And then he has angels that are regular troops. The only angel in the Bible that's called an archangel, is Michael. Now, many Bible scholars say Gabriel was an archangel and Lucifer was an archangel before he gave up that status to rebel against God. But as far as the Scripture goes, the only one literally called an archangel is Michael. He's mentioned five times in the Bible. And every time... It's in association with spiritual warfare. He is the prince or the big chief over spiritual warfare in the heavenly places. Now, if you don't believe in spiritual warfare, <clears throat> you need to be up here teaching this because we need to know how to prevent being in spiritual warfare if it's possible. But I've been around a few years, and um, um, I believe that we're supposed to be doing and we're supposed to have a lot more than we do right now because we haven't known how to do spiritual warfare. We've let the devil carry off time and time again. Relationships, we've let him carry off our jobs. We've let him carry off our cities. We've let him carry off uh, pastors. We, We have just set back because we didn't really realize that we had something to do. But I don't want to get off on that either. Because I could preach on that. Isn't it interesting that God created invisible beings? It's like, God, why did you do that, you know? Have you ever thought that? I mean, when we get saved, we ought to be able to see all of it. 
<clears throat> the whole world would get saved if they could if if their eyes were opened if they could see the demons and see God's angels fighting to come through they'd get saved but you know there isn't any faith in that is there remember God's a faith god and so you got to believe without seeing and we do <clears throat> in God's wisdom he created this invisible realm I already read it to you once. For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Now, I I can hear your thoughts here. You're saying, if those demons were created for him, where did they come from? What's going on? You know, if Satan was created for him, why is it that he's against him? One thing you must always know is God is good. There's no bad in him. There's no shadow of turning. There's no evil. He couldn't create anything but good. He couldn't, you know, he created, I believe he created all this angelic kingdom way before the earth was even a thought. They were created. They're a different species of being. They were created to worship God. They were created to do what he assigned them to do. So just because Lucifer chose to come against God does not mean that he had bad in him when he was created. I want you to understand that. The same is true with demons. Now, there's plenty of theological debate about demons. And, you know, you don't want to be here all day and hear all of it. Most of the scholars say either they are fallen angels that fell with Satan when he rebelled against God, or they are people destroyed in the first flood before Adam, the pre-Adamic race. And we sure won't get into that. Anyway, they're there. Where they came from is is really just, I mean, people want to know, and I want to know, because, you know, we do deliverance here. And we deal with those demons, and we just kick them out. That's what we do. Because God made everything good, and they have chosen to be bad. So, but above all of these heavenly structures, I want you to know, sits Jesus Christ, the great commander of the heavenly host, the Lord of the armies, the chief, the commander of the army of the Lord. Are you in the army of the Lord? Amen. So, you know, when we think about that, when we sing songs about it, I want you to think about angels. You know, as we're marching, pushing the kingdom forward, I want you to see yourself with angels marching right in cadence with us. Because they are. They're here on this earth. Um, Let's talk about the highest ranking angel in the heavens. And and I don't have a whole lot of information about him, but he's a seraphim. And I wish I had a picture because um, they they look a little odd. Uh, Most of them have some man qualities, you know, like a face and um, usually legs and maybe a hand. But above the altar stood the seraphim. This is 
Isaiah 6, 2. And each one had six wings. So with two, he covers his face. With two, he covers his feet. And with two, he flies. Interesting creature, right? The most powerful, number one angel. He stays in the presence of God. If you remember, I believe it was Isaiah who had a, a vision and went into to God's throne. And this is the angel that took the coal off of the altar and put it, because Isaiah said, I'm, I'm undone, I'm, I'm, I'm unclean, I've got to get out of here. There's too much power and glory in here, I can't handle it. And so the angel took the coal and put it on his tongue. And then he, he, he was cleansed. And then the next one we have is the cherubim. And, you know, if, if you think I'm making all this up, you need to go home and read Ezekiel 1 through 10, and you're just going to read all about some really weird-looking creatures that God made. I don't mean they're weird. I mean they're just so different. Okay, we find these around God's throne too, and they're covered with all kinds of precious stones of many colors. They have four faces and four wings with the likeness of a man's hand under each wing. They're also referred to as living creatures. You know, a four-faced angel is a little different, isn't it? I know that Todd Bentley uh, is a young man who's just who sought God for three months, day and night on his face, and then he had a throne room visitation, and he saw the living creatures of the cherubim. And he said, all of a sudden, he was in the throne room, standing eyeball to eyeball with a cherubim, and it was a, it was like an eagle. I mean, it's a little frightening. And he said, in an instant, it went. And there was the ox, like a Rubik's Cube. That thing turned. So the, so the body of it didn't turn at all on the cherubim, but the face could turn any direction it wanted to. You know, God can make anything he wants, can't he? These angels are celestial chariots. Now I'm probably going to wipe you away with this, that carry God's throne. We see God's throne, boy, it's stationed up there and it's there to stay. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God the Father. But um, the cherubim, I don't know how much to tell you here. Um, Part of their makeup is wheels. So um, as they move, the wheels move. So I believe as they move, they move God's throne from the worship room to the judgment room. They move God's throne wherever he wants to do something. Now, I, you know, it's, I believe that's still in heaven, of course. But God judges nations. So we got the throne room, the worship room, the judgment room. I don't honestly know if Satan gets into this judgment room. It's my understanding that if he were to set foot in the third heaven, the glory of God would repel him to the earth. 
He is so evil, he could not stand to be in all that glory. So it could be that God's throne is carried into the second heaven where Satan brings revilings against us, where he tries to accuse us of of untold things. But God inhabits the praises of his people. And Tatum taught on that Wednesday night. So when we praise and worship God, these throne room angels get excited. That's why it's a weapon. When we praise God, those angels in the third heaven and the angels assigned here on earth pick it up. You know, they've got good ears. They pick it up. And they come where the presence of God is and where the presence of God is being glorified. So if we all had the eyes of our hearts open right now, it's possible you could see cherubim. You could see angels. You could even see Michael. We know that a year ago when we did the spiritual warfare conference, Michael came, and he was positioned outside the door. We were doing spiritual warfare. What does Michael do? Spiritual warfare. He was seen by, by one of our um, people, and not just once. You know, we got to get out of just being... Ho-hum, that's over my head. Or, you know, hey, that's, that, that can't be true. You've got to be open to understand. God wants us to know all about him and angels, a part of what he has and does. These cherubim also act as guardian spirits. Remember when Adam and Eve were put out of the garden? God stationed cherubim with flames of fire so that nobody could go in. You know why they couldn't go in? Because if they ate of the tree of life after Adam and Eve had sinned, they would forever be in a sinful state, and nothing that God could do would save them. So he had to keep them from the tree of life. You understand that? So he stationed those cherubim. And they would be enough, I think, to keep anybody out. They also formed the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant. We might have had a picture of that, but I didn't get it. <clears throat> they are the two angels that meet over the top of the Ark of the Covenant, and they make the mercy seat. So um, where does this throne go that I was talking about a while ago? If you read the first ten chapters of Ezekiel, you'll find the cherubim carrying God around. There's one throne in heaven, but the throne's on wheels. <laughs> I know, that just blows our mind. <clears throat> I'm not making this stuff up in case you think I am. So, you know what? We are so focused on the natural realm. Do you know that? I mean, we are so stuck on what we can see that it's hard for us to get a picture of all this. But the more we acknowledge there is a spiritual realm, the more we can become aware of it. So why don't we live in the supernatural? I believe we're supposed to live there. We're not just supposed to have one sermon out of 300,000 about angels, which is the supernatural realm. We're supposed to live in that supernatural realm. Paul did. John did. Peter did. Oh, well, they were the apostles. Yes, with great power. Well, you got great power, too. You know... It's possible that we don't understand this, 
And maybe it's a little scary to try to understand it. So maybe I'm better off just not knowing about it. Have any of you thought that? Yeah, thank you for one amen, one honest person. We have mental barriers or limits on what we want God to do. I'm telling you, we, we put a little box up here and say, God, would you please just, would you fit in that little box? Today, uh, would you just prophesy? Tomorrow, would you just do healing? You know, we just want to kind of help him out. We want him to stay in that box. Now, don't get out there, God, because I don't know what to do if you get out of that box. Well, I believe God's got out of the box today. <clears throat> so if Elisha could pray that the eyes of his servant be opened, I don't know if you remember that story, but I haven't got time to elaborate on each story. But anyway, they were surrounded by the enemy, Elisha and his Gehazi, his servant. And um, um, I don't want that up there. Thank you. And um, I lost where I was here. Elisha and Gehazi. And Elisha could see all of the angels of God out there that just way outnumbered the enemy. But Gehazi couldn't see them. And he was, he was just terrified. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're going to be killed here. We're going to be killed. And God said, or Elisha said, God, would you just open the eyes of Gehazi so he can see what's out there? And boy. Gehazi thought a whole different story. They said, oh, my goodness. Chariots of fire out there with angelic host. You see, we have access to that, and we don't even know about it. We're scared to talk about it, and we don't know how to activate it. So, do you really expect God to show up every time we come to this place? Do all of you really expect God to? Or do you sometimes think, let's just go have a little normal service because I've got to get back home and got some things to do? Well, I hope you don't think that because um, the more we expect God to move, the more he will. So if Elisha could pray that the eyes of his servant be opened to see the angels, then I can pray that God would open up our eyes so we can see what God is doing, so we can see the angelic host. This is all in the Bible. We just run right past it. We don't spend any time picturing the scenes that Ezekiel shows us in Ezekiel 1 through 10. How many of you believe you have a guardian angel? Why do you think that? The Bible says, where does it say that? I had to look that up. Um, Matthew 18.10. Take heed that you do not despise any of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. So, I'm going to tell you, yes, you have a guardian angel. I believe assigned to you at birth. Because God is no respecter of persons. If he assigns angels to these little ones, he is not going to take them back. God's not a taker-backer. He's a giver. And so, you know, he can't just give Sarah's little one one and leave out um, Jennifer and Eli's little one. I mean, God doesn't do that. God gives to all the same. The only reason everybody has or somebody has more, it looks like God favors them. Have you ever seen somebody that, you know, it's like, God, why don't you do that for me? Why don't you bless me? Why don't you give me all that information? God says, I will if you'll just seek me. 
See, some people are in a different position. The position is that they've been seeking God. It's not that they're the pastor or they're the prophet. Or, I don't mean that. They're in a different position because they've been seeking God. So what do they do? They move up in the favor line. And it looks like, God, you are playing favorites. And God said, no, I'm honoring those that are doing my word. So if you're not where you want to be in the line, <clears throat> seek God. Okay. <clears throat> Angels eat. That's interesting. If they eat, we're probably going to get to eat in heaven, right? Angels have emotions. Do you know they get excited and have a party every time somebody gets born again? <clears throat> Angels cannot call God Father. He's their creator. Angels cannot be redeemed and conformed to the image of God like we can. <clears throat> they cannot preach the gospel like saints of God. Now, they help with that, but they can't preach it. They can't experience it. Angels of God cannot indwell men. I want you to know demons can, and they only can, I believe, invade the soul realm, which is the mind, will, and emotions. Because the Spirit, if you're born again, has the Holy Spirit in it. And I don't believe the Holy Spirit could possibly abide with demons. <clears throat> so, angels cannot indwell men. Only the Holy Spirit can. Angels can appear as a man. You know, there there have been many angel sightings in the last few years. People pick people up in cars and they're angels. They just, they're talking to them and then they turn around and they're gone. I mean, it's just happening and happening and happening. Angels do not judge men, but righteous men will judge angels. Angels of God do not command or receive worship, and they cannot be everywhere at the same time. Now, wait till you hear this. Angels are always masculine in the Bible. How do you like that? How many women angels do you see on Christmas trees, on hobby shops, the little cherubs, the little cute little cherub, or the woman angel? You know, these angels of God are big like they run eight, ten feet tall. They are bronzed skin. They wear golden sashes. Well, I'm going to get into that in a little bit, okay? They don't look like a cherub. Angels do not die. They were created long before the earth, and they're still there, and they'll always be. They are spirit beings Forever in existence. That's Luke twenty thirty six. in case you think I'm making it up. How many of you look at angels and you see a halo around them? No halos in the Bible. Some people are so fascinated with angels, they think worshiping angels would show appreciation for what they do. Not a. People have seen angels and sometimes did not even know that they were entertaining them. Hebrews 13, 2. And, of course, because of this scripture in 13, Hebrews 13, 2, we, we usually open up our homes to people 
sometimes that we may not know. It says, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittedly entertained angels. Now, we're not to worship angels. You got that? Only God himself. God's word is clear on that. Revelations 22, verse 8 and 9. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Remember I told you earlier, God sent an angel to confirm what he was showing him. Then he said to me, see that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. In other words, no, how, no matter what God shows you through an angel, don't give the angel credit. God sent the angel. Hallelujah. Um, the biggest misconception about angels, how many have ever thought this? That when a human dies, he becomes an angel. Are you going to show your hand if you ever thought that? I used to think that a long time ago. Well, it's not true. The Bible would tell us if that was true. I mean, the angels are a whole new species, a whole different species of being. And, you know, when you got born again, you become, according to the Word of God, you became a new creation, a new species of being. That's what God says. So in Hebrews 2, 6... But one testified in a certain place saying, What is man that you are mindful of him? They're asking God. Or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. Whoa. Just want to give you a little tidbit here. That word angels was transferred, translated out of the Greek. And that word is Elohim. Does anybody know who Elohim might be? God. But, you know, the translators, every other time in the Bible, they translated the word Elohim. But this time, they just couldn't do it. But it should read, you have made man a little lower than God. You've crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. God gave man authority to rule and to reign that he did not give the angels. Now, the angels are invisible, so it would seem like they are way on a higher level than us, right? But they aren't saints of God. They aren't children of God. They aren't born again. They don't have the Holy Spirit residing in them. You see, we are different. And we cannot become an angel no more than an angel could become us. We are two different species. You got that? God is the only one we worship. If you worship an angel of God, he will say, stop it, don't do that. He's uncomfortable. If you worshiped an angel of Satan that came to you, he would receive it and love it. That's one way you know who you're dealing with here. The Bible clearly tells us in Hebrews 1.14, Are not all angels ministering spirits? Sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Is that us? Amen. Hallelujah. 
Now, angels basically live in heaven. That's their home. But they come to earth on assignments, and some of them are assigned permanently. When I began to study this sermon, I found out there are 300 references in the Bible to angels. You know, and most of us probably read. Well, we read them. We just read over the angel part. It's kind of like the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We read over the tongues part. We read over the miracles part if we think they're all, all finished. But, you know, you need to go back and start watching where God puts angels in the Bible. They minister to God and they minister to us. There is an uncountable number, so just forget it. You can't count them. I don't know how many there are, but it's past our finite mind counting. Angels look like man of some sort. They have a language that's called the tongue of angels, but they also speak in the language of the person that they would bring a message to. So I'm sure they could speak in any language. Some wear really bright clothing. You know, if, if an angel were to walk in the door and, and just be a, look like a man, we would not know he's an angel unless God spoke to you or unless somehow you just got that information. But if an angel walked in robed with wings, with a white flowing gown, with the light of God all over him, with a golden sash and bronzed hands and legs and feet and sandals and was like eight and ten feet tall, I think we'd all say an angel just walked in. Don't you? Well, angels are here. You know, there's just like a thin film over us and that whole angelic realm. And some of us would say, you know, I don't care to see those demons, so I just want to see the angelic host. And I think that's okay, you know. God knows what you need. Some have wings, some do not. Now, they have many functions. They worship God, number one. They are created to worship God, Revelations 4. Number two, I've got this handout for you, so if you don't see anybody writing anyway. Don't try to write this down. Yeah, I do see somebody. Wendy's writing. They minister to us on earth. Number two, they bring protection and provision and revelation, and they minister on God's behalf. They bring dreams. Did you, did you ever have an angel visit you in a dream? It's from God. They bring revelation, understanding, and vision. Number three, you can put these up, Marty, The as I go. Can you do that? Number three, God releases angels for soul winning. Now, they don't win souls, but they help. Number four, angels bring deliverance in war. And there are a lot of stories in World War II, uh, even in the Gulf War, that angels were involved in. Number five, angels have assignments over nations and over cities, troop commanders and field soldiers. I already told you that. Number six, angels bless the Lord and they are obedient to him. They carry out his tasks. So whatever God says is what they do. Number seven, angels do God's word. They heed the voice of God. They do the word. Now, I believe that they do the word 
that you speak out of your mouth. You see, um, the word activates the angels. They are used to hearing God speak his word. So when we speak the word, we are believers on the earth. We don't speak directly to the angels. We speak to God to bring the angels. We say things like, uh, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. That's the word. We say things like, um, I'm just trying to think of them. I should have written some down. Um, what? The joy of the Lord is my strength. And What? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against me shall be found to be in the wrong. What else? What I bind on earth is bound in heaven. What I loose on earth is loosed in heaven. I'll be blessed coming in and blessed going out. I mean, there's, you know, there's like 800 promises if you're just going to speak the promises. That could take you a few days, couldn't it? Um, But, you know, well, I'll talk about that in a minute. Angels, number eight, release divine strength. Remember how they came and strengthened Jesus, how they came and strengthened Elisha. Number nine, angels bring messages. They brought a message to Joseph. Zacharias got a message from an angel before John the Baptist was born. Told him to name him John, right? And there's more to that story. An angel came to Mary to announce that she would give birth to Jesus. So angels come to bring messages. Now, number 10 is healing angels bring healing. And you may think, now, you really lost it, Pastor Virginia. But I want you to think about the angel that stirred the pool at Bethesda. And when the angel came down and stirred the pool, the first one in got totally healed. So they have a lot to do with healing. And I believe we're entering a time where it's not the first one in. But we're entering a time where the healing angel will come. We have a healing well over here. We'll stir the well. And all of those that believe God is our healer will be healed. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Whether you believe it or not, it, it don't matter. It's going to happen. Um, I'm going to go back to number eight because I forgot to tell you this. Angels give you divine strength. Now, some of you get in a place where you think God hasn't heard you. He's not hearing you. You're in a hard place. You're in a desert. It doesn't seem like there's any water. It doesn't seem like there's any answer. It doesn't seem like God even understands or cares. I want you to know God cares. And he'll even send angels to you to strengthen you, no matter what the devil sends your way. God will take care of us in some way. He'll cause that joy to rise up in us. He'll cause a strengthening from the angelic realm. So if you've been under attack and you've been in the desert, if you've been beaten down, 
or burned out or suffering in warfare or trial and hardship, I just say, God, bring the angels to anyone here that fits that category today. Me too, God. And bring divine strength that only you can bring. Number 11. They take souls into God's presence. Isn't that awesome? When you draw your last breath on this earth, there's going to be a beautiful angel to escort you through that second heaven right into the presence of Jesus Christ and God the Father. That's Luke 16, 22. Because the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. There have been a lot of accounts of people, and you've, you've seen movies, you've read books, of people on their deathbed. They will see an angel walk into the room. Now, number 12, you may think this is really far out. Angels release finances. How many of you know the devil has a power called mammon? Mammon is set against us. Mammon is to gather up all the finances of the body of Christ and hang on to them so we can't do what God assigns us to do. That's his assignment. But God has angels of finance. In Philippians 4.19, God says that he will supply all of our need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How many have ever had a need that didn't get met? I'm sure you did. So, maybe we need to learn to pray a little differently. So I pray and I ask God for the supply. Remember, God is, is the supplier. I ask him to supply my needs, but I also petition the Father to release the angels assigned to my finances. You got that? You got that? Y'all are so quiet. And I say, Father, give me the angels assigned to bring me the finances. Let those angels be released on my behalf. Send them into the four corners of this earth to bring what I need financially. You know, the devil wants to cut off all your cash flow. He wants to block every finance. In case you don't know that, it's true. He wants to block and hinder even what God's already provided and told you is yours. He will hang on to it if he possibly can. The angels are up there fighting in the second heaven to obey the word of God. And what are we doing? Oh, God, I don't know what we're going to do. Oh, God, I haven't got any money. Oh, God, I can't pay the rent. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Help, help, help. I got this big problem. I got this big problem. Do you think the angels are doing anything? They don't respond to our problems. What did I say they respond to? The word of God. I better be saying, Lord, you said you'd supply all my need, so I expect it. Lord, release the angels of finances to bring exactly what I need right now today in Jesus' name. I know it's a little different than what you're used to, isn't it? I call in that money or those finances in the name of Jesus. Now, it doesn't have to just be finances, you know. It can be other things. I haven't got time to go into all that. <clears throat> Even though God hears my prayers the first day, I want you to know God hears your prayers. 
The devil still wants to delay it, so he'll hang it up in that second heaven if he possibly can, and he'll hang on to it. And you'll think God's not sending the answer. He doesn't care. God isn't going to answer. When the angels are fighting and you're not speaking the word, you're speaking the problem and nothing's happening in the second heaven. So get the angels involved through prayer. Remember, prayer is God's idea. God, let those angels come and help fulfill your word. You promise me the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and you add no sorrow to it. Proverbs 10. There's another one, John, 1 John 3. I pray above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. I mean, there's lots of, of prospering scriptures. God doesn't want you poor. He wants you to have money to finance the kingdom. Don't you know that? He wants you to have money to bless nations. He wants you to have money to do the things God's called this house to do, this city to do, this state to do. Don't you know that? God wants you to have the money. The devil hates it. He does not want you to have it. Okay. Since there have been so many sightings of angels and books written and people have become so interested in angels, I believe God really wants us to get some information about it, some knowledge about it. People have had experiences with this healing angel named, or this angel named Healing Revival. He even came back way in Brennan's day, way back in, I don't know, 1940s maybe, early 50s. There was an angel that came and said he was a healing revival. And when, you know, we, after that, what we have? Well, Roberts had this huge healing revival. So the healing revival has shown up in Portland, Oregon. So get ready. When the healing revival comes, he sh- miracles go off the charts. It isn't just healing. When he visits a church, he sets up that healing well, like the pool of Bethesda. Whew, I get goosebumps just talking about this. Number 13, there's an angel called breakthrough. You know, God has a breakthrough. Whatever you need, whatever you need a breakthrough in, God has it. He has an angel that he's ready to send. He's just ready to send it. Go. Go for Brian and Norma in Jesus' name. Breakthrough for them. Whether it's finances, whether it's, you know, growing spiritually. We need breakthroughs in growing up in God. We need breakthroughs in establishing relationships that don't break. We need breakthroughs in being covenant people. I mean, you can just go on and on about what you need. There are angels of protection. I know all of you know this scripture. Psalm 91. God gives his angels charge over us. To accompany and defend, preserve, and keep us in all of our ways. Now, that's comforting, isn't it? Even they will bear us up in their hands, just in case we're about to stumble over a stone. So, you know what? God wants you to be healed. He wants you to be protected. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to have every need met. And he's even made extra provision for that. I'm not, I'm not doing without faith in God and prayer because I could teach on prayer from now on. And I love to teach on prayer. But today I'm saying, go a step farther. Pray to God. Don't stop praying to God. He is the supplier. But ask him for the release of angels. 
And then there are angels of the prophetic. And I know you think, oh, okay, she really made that one up. God says he wants all of us to prophesy. Do you know that? And some of you say, oh, okay, that's for Pastor Virginia and Kelly and Paula and Winona and whatever. God wants prophecy. Prophecy can be preaching. Prophecy can be foretelling. Prophecy is something God is saying that can be spoken to someone else. Prophecy brings encouragement and uplifting and edification, and, and it, it's wonderful. So the prophetic not only brings prophetic or prophecy, it brings healing many times. It, it causes people to move from A to C or D in an instant because God said, this is what God said to you, Sarah. You are growing and changing in him, and he is blessing you beyond anything that you've ever known because you have sought him with all of your heart, and because as you keep seeking him, he is going to elevate you to a place that you will find very strange and very different. But he says, don't be, don't be disturbed about that. Just know that I am behind this, and I am doing a new thing in you. Okay, I didn't, I didn't practice that. I'm sorry. That's... See, I'm talking about the prophetic, and I'm prophetic, okay? They're angels of promise. You know, God makes all these promises. Do you think he's not going to provide a way for them to come to pass? Do you think all you've got to do is say them and 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 say them? I know, we, we had that teaching, and, and that's, it's very important that you say them and say them and say them and say them and say them. You know, God, you're the head and not the tail. You're making me the head and not the tail. God, you're the meter of, of my every need, whatever but there comes a time when you need, you need the angels to come and do whatever they need to do in the second heaven so that that stuff just starts pouring out. You know, the, 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 the devils, the demons, they hold your stuff up there. Did you know it? They got your stuff. They got your stuff. They got your stuff. A lot of it is finances. They sit on it. They hide it in boxes and lock it up. I'm telling you, we have let the devil steal from us what's ours, and it's time to take it back. I'm not even on the right thing here. Um, Promise. What promise has God made to you that you haven't seen fulfilled? Do you suppose the demons have anything to do with that? Or is it always, oh, well, I guess God didn't want me to do that. Or I guess God didn't want that to happen because it hadn't happened. I want you to know there's a real live devil that, that hears everything that's going on. And when, when you are about to step out and do something for God, he's right there to try to stop it. Okay? So just know that God has angels of promise that he will send to you. If, if there are things God has promised you specifically in prophetic words, in just reading the word, in like even over this city and over this state, I, I'm sure... Our senator has had God tell him things about this state that haven't come to pass. God has angels of promise to manifest the things that he's told us. And, you know, there's a lot of intercessors that that pray, and God tells them certain things, and maybe no one else on earth heard this, no one else knows it. God sends angels to perform or to manifest the things that he's told those intercessors. He doesn't just tell them that so they can tie a knot and hang on he tells them that that sometime that will come that will manifest now i have not seen a scribe angel but there are scribe angels and like i'm prophesying like i just did and people would see an angel behind me 
writing with a gold, with a feathered pen. They would write gold letters. And the scribe angel would write down the interpretation of dreams and the gifts of God and how, how God would, would use them in these people. Now, the next one is a scroll angel. Revelation, no, Ezekiel 3, verse 3, talks about a scroll angel. An angel comes with a scroll. It's just a little scroll. You know what a scroll is? It's, it's a message on a piece of paper, and then it's all wrapped up tight. Shelley and I were in a Supernatural Realms of Heaven conference two years ago in April in Pennsylvania. And my mouth dropped open the first day, and it was still open the fourth day. Because there's so much about God and about the angelic realm, about the heavenly realms that we don't know. We don't have to know those to get saved. But we may have to know how to know that to get the provisions that we need. But anyway, we're we're standing here, and the leader says, we're going to ask the angels to come and feed you the scrolls. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, right. I shut my eyes. Everybody shut their eyes. And I don't mean you. I mean everybody there shut their eyes. And, and you know, I'm seeing all these beautiful colors. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm in the throne room, God. This is, this is glorious, you know. And I just traveled one color to another, and I don't know how many of you see the colors. But when you do, it's a throne room experience, so just enjoy it, you know. Uh, God will just... He just passes all this rainbow of colors, and these colors are, are brighter and deeper and more beautiful than anything you can see here on earth. They're just gorgeous, and you can just get caught up in looking at those colors. They'll turn from orange to red to, to green to blue to, to purple. I mean, all those colors are significant. But So I'm watching the colors. And Shelly, she's just standing there by me, and she's just, you know, receiving. Afterwards, she looked at me, and she said, Mom, an angel walked right up to me and said, open your mouth and fed me a scroll. And she was touched, I can tell you. The scrolls are a prophetic release of something you need. God doesn't just go around giving you a scroll to eat. But in Ezekiel, it tasted like honey when they ate the scroll. You see, God doesn't put these little stories in the Bible just to be interesting or something you're going to read your kids at night about a scroll and turning, tasting like honey. He puts them in there because in the last days, a lot of those things become important. A lot of those things are manifesting on the earth. Okay. They're angels of revelation, counsel, and might. And, of course, they're so that we can get the information or the plan of God through his counsel, and then we can, we can actually demonstrate God's might or power. And the last one, I know you remember the sermon I preached, I don't know if it was two weeks ago, on the golden bowls. And I threw out the answers in the way of candy. Um... There are angels assigned in heaven to catch the prayers of the saints, to place them in the golden bowls. They're called censers in the word. And when that bowl is filled, they take 
fire from the altar, and the incense is stirred in, and a huge explosion takes place, and all of the answers come pouring down to the earth. There are angels specifically assigned to do that. So the Bible's full of angels from beginning to end. Man, I am not near far enough along. Oh, okay, pick it up. We need to pray, God, let us see the angels. Let them come in our church, in our city, in our region. Are you ready to have the gates of heaven open, the angels to be released? Elisha cried out, God, open the eyes of our heart today. You know, God communicates in a lot of ways that you haven't even touched yet, I just dare say. He communicates, and I've got scriptures for all these, and I haven't got time, but he communicates through smells and through visions. He does open visions with your eyes open, closed visions with your eyes closed. There's pictorial visions. It's like a snapshot. just sits right there still. That's what I get. And then I know probably Kelly gets these um, panoramic and Paula. They just go on like a slideshow. Those are visions. There's dreams and trances. There's angelic visitations. God already said in Hebrews 13 too that sometimes you'll entertain an angel unaware. So angels do come to the earth. They do talk to people. There's being translated in the spirit. That's when your body doesn't go. Um, then there's being uh, transported in the spirit. That's when your body goes too. If you remember Philip, he was transported. He was just walking along there, and all of a sudden he was where he needed to be to, to bring salvation to someone. So God speaks in an audible voice by Holy Spirit flashbacks, which is meditating on what you've already seen. You know, if you've had an angelic visitation, if you've gone into the throne room, you can think of that and go again. Once God gives you something, it's good forever. Isn't that wonderful? He does impressions. So God is releasing, I believe, a new dimension of heavenly encounters for us. Most of us believers, we think it's okay if the guys in the Bible had all these things, you know. Well, you know, they they needed those, you know. Samson, remember, he had the power that he had. Uh, Remember um, Abraham, angels came to him. God spoke to him and said, you know, you'll have a son. What? I mean, it just goes on and on and on. It's okay for all of them. It's okay for Paul to go into the third heaven. It's okay for him to see this vision of what's to come. But, but let's just keep it cool here, okay? Is that what you think? We get nervous about experiencing something like that. But if supernatural experiences were good enough for Paul and Peter and John and all the apostles and and many, many people that I've talked to or listened to. Is it not good enough for us? Are you hungry for an open heaven? You know, we, we, we sing and we, we talk about the glory. Do you really want the glory to fall? God is uncapping the ancient wells so that we can see into the spiritual realm again. We live in an exciting time. We need spiritual eyes and wings God says the eyes of your understanding need to be enlightened. That means take off the blinders. That, that means cause us to see with our heart. And we need wings to travel with angel wings into the spirit realms. Father, I ask you to impart to us that supernatural anointing of eyes and wings. Eyes to see what you're doing, wings to go into the heavenly realm. Lord, please open up the realm of angels, trances, visions, and dreams. 
I ask that you'd remove every thought and belief that hinders us from seeing into the heavenlies. Let the supernatural realm become totally natural. Thank you, Lord, that you created us for signs and wonders. The lost don't need mediums, wizards, or spirits of the dead. They need the living God. Let us be a vessel, God, a channel in Woodward, Oklahoma, for signs and wonders and miracles and healings. You promised to pour out your spirit on all flesh. Here we are, Lord. Pour out your spirit on us. We desire to walk in the reality of the ministry of Jesus. He saw into the heavenlies. He looked to see what you were doing, God, and he did it. He healed every sickness and disease. He cast out devils. He caused the blind to see. He caused the lame to walk. He supernaturally fed the thousands. He preached and taught and prayed and established your kingdom. Lord, please fill us with a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that our lives would be a living testimony of doing what the Father does. God created all of the heavens for us to experience, even while we're here on earth. We're not of this world. We're citizens of heaven. Do you know that? This is not your home. You're just passing through. We need to seek God's face and cry out to him for open heavens. God, we want to hear and see and taste and smell and touch with our spiritual senses. Remove the veil from our eyes. We ask for a release of the seer anointing to see the angelic host. Lord, we don't have to see them to believe. We already believe. We ask to see them in order to stir the fire and passion in us to witness your power and signs and wonders. Let us see the angels. Let them come into our church and city and region. God, we have a right to ask for angelic ministry in our lives and in our church's lives, in our children's lives, because God, Elisha asked, and you, you showed him. So we ask you now for the angels to come with direction and warnings. We ask for those that would strengthen us that are down because of suffering and warfare. God, we want a modern-day pool of Bethesda where your healing angels come to make wholeness, to bring wholeness. Make us more aware of the angelic host so we can feel the touch of angel wings as we praise and worship you. Open the eyes of our heart to the invisible God. God, we trust you to mobilize the angelic host to come on our behalf, to cause us to arise and be strengthened and walk out of the wilderness. Can't you see there's so much we've not understood about angels? This sermon barely touches the surface. And I don't by any means claim to be an authority on angels. But I know the one who made them. And I have a direct line to him. And I have his word, which explains a lot. So if you don't believe the things I've said today... I encourage you to open the word and study for yourself. Study about angels and see what God would tell you. Remember Psalm 91, he gives his angels charge over us, so God does send his angels to help and protect us. The main motivation of the angels is to help and serve God. And I, I, I don't want to leave without telling you this. There are five things that you can do to activate the angels. So I'm going to quickly tell you that. The first one is to obey and submit to authority. If you're not submitted to a spiritual authority, you're probably not going to have angelic experiences. When angels see us operating properly under authority, they just are released to minister. Number two is praise and worship. Praise and worship activates the angels. There are reports that angels sing with the congregation. There have been, you know, there I know there have been times when they have, they have been singing with us. And people see angels during praise and worship. The third thing is sacrifice. You know, last Monday night, 
30 of us gathered in this sanctuary, and we had prayer for our nation and prayer for our church and prayer for a lot of things. And 22 or three of us, I don't know which it was, stayed all night. That was a sacrifice. And you know what? It released angels. A sacrifice is when you are so sick, you can't hardly open your mouth, and you go ahead and pray because you know that's what you're supposed to do. That's a sacrifice. It immediately releases the angels. And what we really do is we say, okay, I'm going to call somebody to pray for me because I haven't got the strength. But if you just open your little mouth and pray, you'd release the angels on your behalf. The fourth thing is prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. There's no question that prayer activates angels. When we pray the word, they just can't hardly wait. They just scurry around and get right at it. The more you pray the word, the more angels will attend to you. The more you pray the word, the more angels will bring what you're asking God for. It's not that God can't bring it. He uses angels. I mean, he has these angels for a purpose. And number five is giving. When you give to God's work, when you support what God is doing, when you support the poor and needy, you release the angels of God. So see, you thought I was going to give you a little prayer that you could say that was just going to activate the angels. No. As believers, we cannot accept anything supernatural without testing its source. So I want you to know you have to prove. When you have angelic experiences, when you have third heaven encounters, whatever, you must be sure that this is God. Because Satan would like to give you one that isn't God. So you test the spirits, you know. You don't just jump in and say, okay, you know, we're going to do this. You talk to God. Remember, God is the one that authored the angels. Try the spirits. Don't get hooked on angels. Get in love with God. I believe we're going to see a major increase in signs, wonders, miracles, healings, revelations, visitations of angels, dreams, interpretation of dreams. God is pouring out his spirit on the church. And it's going to be more intense in the next months. We're living right on the edge of the turnover of this universe. The most cataclysmic events and the greatest revivals our world has ever known are just inches away. I want you to know every prophet in the land is prophesying the healing revival. They're prophesying God is coming in big time this summer. Now it looks like the enemy's coming, doesn't it? Around here for sure with all the drought and everything. I guarantee you, God is up to something big. As the body of Christ begins to move in its authority and we take the gospel to the world, angels will deal with the territorial powers that are holding us back. And what looked like impossible will be taken care of overnight. And Senator Laughlin, that goes for the state. What looks impossible and things that you have worked on all of the years that you've been in office, God in an instant will cause the angels to deal with what is holding that back in the, in the second heaven, the territorial spirits that have assignments over states, that have assignments over nations. And in a day, it'll change. You know, did you not think it, did you not think about this? We had that all-night prayer on Monday night. On Sunday, there was a global prayer. I mean, I don't know how many thousands were involved in it for the nation. There is a prayer and fasting going on for Iran that started, I don't know, 10, 20 days ago. And so we had all this happen. We, we prayed, I don't know, 
that sheets has all these people praying for the nation. On Monday, we stayed here all night. Was it Wednesday? Was it Wednesday or Thursday that the number one Al-Qaeda terrorist? Thursday. Okay. Do you think that is coincidence? No. I mean, I thought, oh, go, God. And he said, go, saints of God. Get to praying. Get to lifting up this nation and watch what I will do. Okay, that wasn't in my lesson. Um, Angels are ministers and messengers. God has blessed us with these beings, and we should not be afraid to search them out and to use them. As I close, I want to make it very clear. Angels respond to the Word of God. So with that in mind, I feel we'd better be watching every word we say. The more our words line up with God, the more angelic visitations, the more angelic interaction we'll have. But there's another thing that I discovered in studying about the angels, is that they watch how you act. If you're yelling and screaming and mad and angry, if you're always speaking the problem, if you look like and act like the devil, they just fold their hands. So it's not just what you say, it's who you are. It's what you are. It's your attitude. It's your integrity. It's your character. They know when you're sincere. They know when they should be released and when you're just putting it on or you're actually looking more like the enemy than than God. So the more like Jesus we become, it's going to be automatic. The angels are going to be working because they respond to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. They respond to the character of God as well as the words of his word. So if angels are not working for us, we'll have to have a do a checkup, I guess. The more like Jesus we become, the more angelic hosts come to help us to live in victory and to fulfill the destiny God has for us. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hope today that if nothing else, you are open. Go ahead and play for me. You're open to another realm. You don't have to go visit this realm. You don't ever have to see an angel. None of those things have anything to do with you being saved. You are saved by faith in Jesus Christ because of his grace. But we are in a war, in case you didn't know it. The church will always be in a war. We're in a seven-year war that we know of, and we're in the almost to the end of the fifth year in this seven-year war. Usually wars intensify as they go. And so I believe God will send angels, even to Iraq, to give strategies and plans 
to our military leaders and especially to our to our leader of this nation to president bush you see everything god has and everything he's made is for us you have not because you ask not